What a perfect song to begin this sermon about the the word of God, the end of the the year's work. If you have been reading through the Bible for the whole year, let me know. Raise your hand, wave something. Yes, yes, amen. And so, you are deep into the book of Revelation right now. And you should finish in a few days. And I will say that my bride is kicking it. Usually, when we are going down for Christmas, she's like, I'm in John. No, but... She, she's killing it. So, I want to take this time that we have today to, to really tie it up in a bow and, and really just pull all of the pieces together for the whole Bible and ending in Revelation. And so, I want to just start with the question, why do we have the Bible? Why do we have the Bible at all? And I think that there's a lot of misnomers of why we have the Bible. Do we have it for religious guidance? Well, kind of, but that's not why we have the Bible primarily. And because there's Many world religions that at least partially lay claim to the Bible or parts of it. That is not the primary reason. Do we have the Bible for historical information? It's helpful in some of those things, but that is not why we have the Bible. We see the rise and fall of civilizations throughout history you can learn a ton of history from the bible but that is certainly not the primary reason we have the bible and do we have the bible for moral lessons you know it teaches us to be kind and tell the truth and those types of things perhaps that's part of it but that is certainly not the main reason we have the Bible, nor is it for, for character studies, for the ability for us to learn about Moses or, or David and, and those kind of things. It's not about Nehemiah and how we can learn leadership from him. And so it's, it's not for any of these things, religious guidance, historical information, moral lessons for character studies. The purpose of the Bible is to reveal who God is and how God redeems his people for his kingdom. This is the purpose of the Bible. This is the reason that we have it. This is the reason why we read it. Because God knows who God is, and God knows how he redeems his people. 
but we need this. And so we get from this that the main character of the Bible is God. The main character of the Bible is not people. It is not King Solomon or David or Paul who wrote a lot of the New Testament. The main character of the Bible is God. And be aware of this. Churches are trending away from the Bible. And... We talk about this amongst our leadership. Unfortunately, you have some things going on in the American church that aren't going on in the Bible. And, and so some of the struggles that you have in, in American churches, our churches has been far too defined as a location or a building. And so... I remember through the, through the, okay, I wasn't there in the 60s, but I remember that in the 60s, there was this huge boom in building churches. Throughout the country, churches, man, pop up brick buildings with the, the four columns, and they're all white because that's what it is. And, and so, but then the, the problem with that is, is with a building comes this this definition of this is us and then we protect this image of this building but then you have to pay for this building and as buildings come they're expensive and a lot of money goes toward these buildings and so in order to pay for these buildings who pays for the buildings well the people that come to the buildings and so if you if you were like Jesus, Jesus had uh, a lot of followers as long as he was feeding them. But then, when it started getting real, they got ticked off or scared and left. In the American church, you can't afford to do that because then there's nobody to pay for that building you just built. And so then you have this choice. Hmm. Are we going to do what the Bible says and perhaps have a few people, or are we going to pay for this building that is us, that is the church, as we have defined it? And so you have to be careful in not falling away from the Bible. That is why we deal with the Bible. We want to read the Bible. We want to know the God of the Bible. And so... There is this trend to to see the Bible as a self-help book and how to manage your money, how to raise your kids. And, and I'm not saying that the Bible is not profitable in these things. What I'm saying is we learn who we are in context of who God is. And so our deepest need is not to know how to manage our money and raise our kids. Our greatest need is to know God. And that is why the Bible is given to us. And so we see how God redeems his people. That's why this whole year has been the chronicle of redemption, to see how God redeems his people.
And this is this is important because we see that that God is restoring his creation to himself. And God is is really recreating his people in his image. And so we see how God redeems his people. And you're going to see this a few different times. So hang on to this. For his kingdom, for his kingdom, we see that God is the king. And so if you think about a kingdom, a kingdom in, in the definition within your mind, a kingdom typically includes a people, a people who are ro- ruled by the king. And so it would be kind of weird to read a story about a kingdom where <laughs> there's no people. And so in a kingdom, people who are ruled by the king, you also have a place. You have a place where the king has dominion. And whether in, in stories or in history, whether there be a castle or whether there be a wall or whether... The, but there's a place. There's a people and a place. And typically in a kingdom there is a purpose. A purpose for the king and his kingdom. And so in God's kingdom, God is bringing his people to his place for his purpose. And I want to take a few minutes and just track through where we've been throughout Scripture this year. And just for a few minutes, I want us to look at a map for, for tracing the story of Scripture for a people, a place, and a purpose. And so We want to know this story. And so from the beginning... Creation, Genesis 1 and 2, you have God's blessing on his people. We have the, this perfect fellowship in the beginning. And we see God's glory multiplied for all people in his creation. And then that lasted for two chapters. two, And then chapter 3. Man's free will chooses to rebel against God. Sin enters into the world, Genesis 3.15. And, and so you have God's blessing turning to God's blessing and judgment. And the fellowship is disrupted. And God's glory is marred in all people. And so we're broken. And then you have the... The story of God's grace through the patriarchs and how God chooses to bless people through Abraham and how he selects him and he promises this fellowship with Abraham and through his his line. God's blessing continues through the exodus, through the conquest in the the promised land and, and God is with his people in the the tabernacle and they look forward to a day where it won't just be in a tabernacle but then they're in the land they have this united kingdom and David is there and God's blessing and judgment through Saul and David and Solomon and 
and God is with his people in the temple. Remember that? They go from the tabernacle that moves to the temple that doesn't, and God's presence is here in this temple, and you have the the various areas of the temple, and you have the outer area, the outer sanctum, the inner sanctum, and then you have the Holy of Holies. This is a part of God revealing himself to man. God's glory is made known to all people through his people. And so, then God... He tells his people they're going to rebel because he knows us. And then they rebel. You have the United Kingdom through, now it's, you know, the United Monarchy through the Divided Monarchy. And this is where you have the prophets. God raises up prophets to to help the people as they are running away. God raises up a prophet, draws them back prophet dies people rebel raises up a prophet the people come back then the people rebel the prophet dies etc and this continues and continues and continues until you know the exile and then then you have the closing of the old testament the opening of the new testament where jesus we have the gospels and god's blessings is and judgment is brought through the person of Jesus Christ. And where the tabernacle, God tabernacled with the people in the tabernacle that moved, and then the temple, and then we have Jesus, the incarnation, where God comes to his people, God among his people. You have the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In the gospel. And so God's glory is made known to all people and through Christ, salvation to us. And then you have the, the church age, the present, you know, the us age, where God's blessing and judgment, we see it through his church. And God is in his people, us, his body. And for the purpose of God's glory being multiplied to all people. We're given the message to go into the world and preach this gospel. And so this story, we see it here. We want to know this story. We want to experience this story, and we want to tell this story. And so this is God's word to us. It's God revealing himself to us. But then we have this, this chronicle of redemption. Like, like, What do we have to look forward to? What, what's coming? And this is the, the new creation where we talked about God recreating his people in his image. This is coming. This is what we look forward to in Revelation where we have God's final blessing and judgment, we have eternal fellowship, and God's glory enjoyed by all people. And so, this one book, one story, one author, all leading us to God's people. Final blessing and judgment. And we have... 
we have these the two options that we've spoken of throughout this year. We have, for all who have revered the king, inexpressible joy. And we see the picture of, of heaven. And heaven exemplifies his eternal blessing. And so, as, as Brian said earlier, this is just temporary. We don't live for this. I can see why there's depression throughout the world if we lived for this. If this was it, God, it'd be depressing. You know? But for all who have revered the king, you see this joy. You see heaven. But for all who have rejected the king, there's irreversible justice. And not surprising, because God has made that clear in the word throughout. But I want to to go to the end of the text in Revelation 21 for a, for a moment. And it's not even fair to look at this. You know, we're, we come to the book of Revelation the last Sunday of the month. I mean, the last Sunday of the year. And... There's no way we could do it justice in one day. But chapter 21 Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men. Remember this dwelling? You know, the tabernacle and then the temple and then in our hearts. And here you see it. Now the dwelling of God is with men and He will live with them. They will be His people and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Who was seated, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But then, here it goes, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And so you see this picture. But then, just before this, in chapter 20, Verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who seated, and him who was seated on it. 
earth and sky fled from His presence. There was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's a pretty clear picture, isn't it? Irreversible justice. And you see that hell exemplifies his eternal judgment. And I want to make it clear that God is just in his judgment. God is just. He's not the big meanie pants at the end that if people don't like him, he does he beats them up and throws them into hell. He is he is just, he is righteous. And even beyond that, in his grace, he has given countless warnings and immeasurable time. He sent his son. And so there is a time when time runs out. But we can stand on His merits. We can stand in His righteousness by grace through faith. And so God's people, you see it, but then in God's place, in God's place, this eternal fellowship. In verse 3 of chapter 21, I pointed it out a moment ago, now the dwelling of God is with men. This is God's place. No longer the, the looking forward to, the longing for, this is it. In God's place. And we will be with Him. And I want to clarify some theology here that this is the point. This is what we long for. This is, this is the best. This is the high that we aim for to be with Him. I have heard there is... In some translations of Scripture, the word mansions. And because we're Americans, and we see these streets of gold, and we start thinking, man, if I'm driving a Ford here, man, it's got to be Maserati, or it's got to be something great. And the house I live in now, it's got to be greater, so mansions. And, and we think of all of this opulence. In the text, y'all, the word mansions is, is dwelling places. This the same word is here. Now the dwelling of God is with men. And so dwelling with God is the point. And I also think the reverse. If, if you are in Christ and you, you long for Him, He 
His Spirit is in you and you long with Him. You long to dwell with Him. As we go to heaven, we go to heaven to be with God. I think the reverse is also true. Someone who doesn't know Christ, who doesn't want to be with Christ, then why would they want to dwell with Him forever? Their choice to be apart from God and apart with God from God is in hell forever. And so God's people in God's place will be with Him. And, and part of being with Him means that, that death will be replaced by life. There will be, in verse 4, there will be no more death. As I've thought about this and even had a conversation today about this, I'm leaving this afternoon to go to a funeral in Chesapeake for a, a brother, a dear friend of mine who's like 54 or something. You know, I mean, death will be replaced by life. And and again, if because God gave us life, we see life as very important. And so we live it, we protect it, we want to protect those lives who cannot protect themselves. And, you know, that's one reason why we stand against abortion. God created life, and we'll stand. But this life has nothing on eternal life. This life ends in death. But then he erases death and there will be replaced by life. And so you see there in the text, there will be no more sin, no more sorrow, no more sickness, and no more separation from God. All of this because we will be with him. The text I think one day when I lose my mind, I'll have no more memory, and I think it'll be one really cool thing. Because every time, I'll just keep reading Revelation 20 through 22, and when I finish, I'll forget I read it, and then I'll read it again. It'll be like amazement all over again. Like, what? This is coming. This is awesome. But. I hear you. I think, wait, he's slipping already. <laughs> In chapter 21, you just see the, the continuation of this. and You see the picture of heaven. Chapter 21, verse 22, says, I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light. And so night will be replaced by light. In verse 5 of chapter 22, it says, There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp 
or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. And you see in the same passage that corruption will be replaced by purity. When I read this, I shout amen to myself because of where we are in our culture. Verse 27 of chapter 21 says, Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And so, corruption will be replaced by purity, and then you see in chapter 22, curse will be replaced by blessing. Chapter 22 opens, says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. And then verse 3 says, No longer will there be any curse. And so interestingly, in the beginning in Genesis, there is this tree of life, you know, and they took of this fruit in sin. And then in the last book, almost at the end, there is this tree again. But now the curse is broken. And it's broken forever. And then verse 4, I think, is it's got to be one of the highlights of all the Bible. They will see His face. We will see His face. This is what the whole book is pointing to. We will see His face. How often in the Old Testament did they they draw near to God or God would hide Him in the cleft of a rock or they would see the back or they would see Him as He passes or they would have the glow on their face. But in that day, guys, we will see His face in His presence. And so this is God's people in God's place, but finally for God's purpose. God's glory enjoyed by all people. And this is the completion of the kingdom. You know, His kingdom that began, we look forward to the day where His temple, or His the kingdom, the completion of the kingdom. And this is countless people, countless throngs, there's a word for you, of people. And we read from, from every nation, people, tribe, and language. Countless people. People that no one could count. All over. All time. Everywhere on this globe. 
singing a new song. And they're singing this song from... We see it several times throughout. You see in chapter 7, verse... What is that? Uh, 12... Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then a few chapters over in chapter 11, you continue to see it. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who was, who is, who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. And holy is the Lord Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. And they bow down and you continue to see it over and over and over again, this new song. And you know what's cool? Even if you can't sing a lick, you're going to be part of it. And I believe a part of our new body will be a new voice that He wants to hear. And so, just think of that day. You know, I think I heard a story about a lady whose name is Fanny Crosby. That's another name you don't name your kid these days. However, great woman of faith and wrote a bunch of the hymns. Well, the interesting thing about Fanny Crosby is she was blind, like was always blind. And so, I want to read this, this poem to you that she wrote. And I think that it is sweet, partially because you think about it, the first face that she will ever see is the face of her Savior. And so she wrote this, My Savior, first of all, when my life work is ended and I cross the swelling tide, when the bright and glorious morning I shall see, I shall know my Redeemer when I reach the other side, and His smile will be the first to welcome me. I shall know Him, I shall know Him, and redeemed by His side I shall stand. I shall know him, I shall know him by the print of the nails in his hand. Oh, the soul-thrilling rapture when I view his blessed face. You hear that? When I view his blessed face and the luster of his kindly beaming eye. How my heart, how my full heart will praise him for the mercy, love, and grace that prepared me for a mansion in the sky. Oh, the dear ones in glory how they beckon me to come. And our parting at the river I recall to the sweet 
vales of Eden, they will sing my welcome home, but I long to meet my Savior first of all. Though the gates to the city in a robe, or through the gates to the city in a robe of spotless white, he will lead me where no more tears will fall. In the glad song of ages, I shall mingle with delight, but I long to meet my Savior first of all. What a tremendous picture. And how the book ends is with a claim of Christ. In chapter 22, three times we see where Jesus is coming. And he says in chapter 22, verse 7, Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. And just in case we didn't get it, in verse 12 of the same chapter, he says, Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. There's only 21 verses in chapter 22 of Revelation. In chapter 22, verse 20, says, He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. The next to last verse. The claim of Christ, I am coming soon. And then the, the final thing is the cry of the church. The cry of you and me, the cry of the church, is Amen, come Lord Jesus. There it is, the four words, Amen, come, Lord Jesus. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia. It has been popular at various times, and there's been movies come out. And, and C.S. Lewis, a believer, there's several books it's a, just a tremendous picture. And he encapsulates it and ends it in this final chapter. I want you to hear it. And I don't know how many of you know the lion, the witch, the wardrobe, you know, and, and all of this. And, and there is obvious connotations to the gospel, obvious connotations to the word and including this and so he says this and as he spoke referring to the lion he no longer looked to them like a lion but the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them and for us this is the end of all the stories, and we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after, but, but for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and 
all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at least they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Think about this. That everything that we have read from Genesis to Revelation, everything that we have lived, all of this is just the title page and the, the cover. Because the real part of our relationship with God has been revealed to us in the Bible just starting. You know, and and as we look forward to golly day, it's funny, a, a wise and hilarious friend of mine says, I, I don't mind dying, it's just the pain that leads up to it. <laughs> I'm not looking so forward to, you know. If as we look and we 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 dread, we dread the aging process or death and all of these things. That's just how we open the book to start the real story. In chapter 11, Revelation, we'll close with this. It says, The heaven, I mean, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He will reign forever and ever. God's people in God's place for God's purpose. And so hear the word of the Lord. Respond to this God. I don't know that you will hear a more or see a clearer picture of the choices before you the relationship that is offered to you. And so please respond in faith because He's coming soon. And whenever soon is, that's when the page turns. That's when the it's sealed of what's coming for you, either with Him forever or apart from Him forever joy in His presence or torture not being in His presence. And I can imagine the greatest torture as we think about burning in the lake of fire is not even the greatest torture. The torture is being apart from the one that we were created to be with forever. So hear it in your heart and run to this God who loves you and ran to you. Amen? Can we stand together? God, we praise You for Your Word is good. Thank You for this journey through the, through the Bible in this year. And Lord, sometimes it seemed long and dry. But Lord, thank You for, for speaking life into us and showing us that we were the ones that were, were dry. So Lord, as You create in us 
a heart that that beats for you, that longs for you, God, I pray that you would help us to see this and make this choice that you have told us that exists and you've told us everything we need to know about it. And you have revealed yourself to us in your word and you've shown us in so many different ways what it's like to be in a relationship with you. And so, Lord, I pray that laid at the feet of every person in here and every person within the sound of my voice that we have a decision to make. We've seen a picture of a revealed God who loves us, who made us for a relationship. And so, God, I pray that you would speak, draw, call, everyone to Yourself. And that we see that You are coming soon and that causes joy in us. But Lord, I pray even for those who right now who think, wow, if You were to come right now, it would not be a joyous time. There would not be a reunion, but it would be judgment and torture. God, I pray that You would give wisdom right now for those to, to, to stop playing games and run to You and fall at Your feet in worship and trust You by faith. Acknowledge You as King forever. And Lord, even in these moments, as we sing in a moment, that it would be a homecoming those who just met you, but Lord, also a joyous reunion for those who have known you for a while. So Lord, let us worship as you draw us close to you, as we thank you for the opportunity to be in your presence. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.